This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. And then, and this this is this, interesting. Guys, guys. Listen. Something's listen. happening. This is a become an investigative journalism podcast. Yes. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season five, episode one of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy vs. Dracula. As well as Gilmore Girls, Say Goodbye to Daisy Miller. It's exciting, Brian, we started season five. Oh yeah, season five is going to be good at both shows, you can already tell. Yeah. Both shows are off to a strong start. I mean, well, Buffy's, I don't know the first episode was like, oh my God, this is what season five's all about at all, but. I don't know. It felt like it was a bit. I mean, you don't know what season five is. I don't, but Buffy's like, I want to look into some stuff. Season five's all about randomly appearing castles. <laughs> okay. So it, I guess it did really set it up. I can't confirm or deny that this Gilmore Girl episode sets up anything for season five. Oh, okay. Anything new with you? Uh, I did a college show. I went up to Ithaca and did a show. It was fun. It was good. Yeah. College. You dealt with some fog. Oh, my God. So because I had to go through New York and traffic gets bad, it was about a five-hour drive up there. And it was about four and a half to five hours coming back. It should have really only been closer to four, but the fog was so crazy bad that, like, I had to drive super slow for a lot of it. Well, at least you had all that dinosaur porn to keep you company. Oh, did we talk about that? I don't think so. So there's this book I wanted to get, an audio book. And I found a website that was like, oh, it's you can stream it here for free. And I was like, cool. I finished a book and the same website was like, here's some other books that are like the most streamed audio books from this website. One of them was this book called Dinosaur World. It was like, I don't know what time it was. It was like early in the morning. I was just like, whatever, we'll throw some dumb dinosaur book on. Well, it it's it get it got pretty erotic at some point. Not between the dinosaurs, just to be clear. <laughs> it wasn't dino on dino or dino on person. Although I didn't finish the book, so you know who knows. Hmm. But the book finished you. Yeah. It the thing is though, it wasn't all erotica. It was just like dinosaur action for a while. But then, but then, it, well, it happened. It was just like pretty graphic. I was like, oh, this is written by a dude for dudes. Who <laughs> <laughs> do guys love? Sex and dinosaurs. They might have as well have named it that. Right. I don't know that it is all sex. Again, I didn't listen to all of it because, you know, driving home with a boner at like one in the morning wasn't like, you know, my plan. But it happened. And um... <laughs> I don't know, man. You start thinking about Triceratops and Triceratops. Oh, man. You start. <laughs> well, I've been up to much tamer activities that aren't worth mentioning. Sounds like they are. It sounds like you're hiding something the way you said that. Have you been reading no. Dinosaur World? No, no, no. It's for men. Doesn't interest me what the dinosaurs get up to. What are you hiding? <laughs> Nothing. Did you read like Horse World? I'm trying to think of what woman equivalent. <laughs> Pony World? What Did happened? Did you say Horse Squirrel? Horse uh, World. <laughs> Did you read Or Squirrel? That new book about that. <laughs> Flirty little squirrel. <laughs> like slutty little squirrel. Always putting nuts in her mouth. I'm sorry. Central Park's no match for tails. <laughs> yeah. Wait, right. it's Sonic's friend? That's the name of a Sonic character? Yeah. Oh. It's like his best friend. Slash maybe only friend? I don't know. Sonic's whole lore, but... 
Well, I'm excited to talk about these episodes so that we can watch the next one. Yeah, well, I'm more excited to talk about Sonic's friend Tails. So, I mean, Sonic's Brian. lore is Brian. pretty... St- Brian. What? Oh, mm-hmm. no. Okay. I'm excited to have wine. We're going to have some Wink wine. Wink.com. You guys should check it out. They give you four bottles of wine sent through the mail for $29.95 for your first shipment. They will pick the wines for you, or you can pick the wines, but you can fill out a survey to determine what your palate is, and they'll suggest wines to you. Just make sure when you check out, you use the link in our bio and use Gilmore Slayer as the promo code. We have one of these wines every time we watch Gilmore and Buffy. One bottle for both shows. Oh, have you only been having... I've been having my own bottle every time. Oh, wow. That's why we go through so fast. That's why I've been sick. Uh, It's a lot of wine. We also have a few five-star reviews. Oh, nice. Thank you so much to They Call the Wind, Mariah Momo, Emo Chaco Girl, Eden NY from Canada, and Bazzy 3.0 from Ireland. Thanks, guys. We're world famous, Brian. Yeah. I mean, anywhere you go, people know who we are. Anywhere. It's annoying. It's like, guys, just let us go to this porta potty <laughs> Yeah, or that time we were at that um, Eyes Wide Shut party, and everyone could still know who we were, even though we had our masks on. All right. Well, we guys. Get... All well, right. guys. <laughs> well, All right. guys. Stop. All right. Should we get into this? Well, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. This week, we started with Buffy. Stacy, please tell us all about Buffy vs. Dracula. What was this one about? This episode is about Dracula coming to Sunnydale and Buffy versus him. It's also... It sounds like you didn't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And it's also about Giles and Buffy figuring out what their relationship is, kind of. Yeah. It's mostly about Dracula. Mostly, yeah. Okay. So it opens on Buffy waking up in her bed at her mom's house, sleeping next to Riley? But season five, episode one, she's already bored with him. So she goes out for a late night sleigh. She's sprinting through what seems like a much bigger graveyard than we've seen before. They got some graveyard budget increase. Yeah, the graveyard looks so much better than previous seasons. It was clearly like a set before. Maybe it wasn't. It probably was a real graveyard. But this is like a really vast spreading graveyard. So Buffy is like sprinting to catch this vampire. She kills him. She's very pleased with herself. And she crawls back into bed with Riley. I know Buffy's an adult, but my parents would not have let me have a boy stay over at this age. Yeah. She's like 19, somewhere between freshman and sophomore year of college. No, no. Wouldn't have happened. I mean, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances. You know what I mean? Like, she's the slayer. She literally could die any night. She saved the world a bunch of times. Yeah. I don't also feel like they're religious. Yeah, that's true. I had a girlfriend that their parents let us stay over there when we were fresh out of college, so... This is fresh out of high school, pretty much. Well, I mean, she is in college. Slightly new credit sequence. Some images we've seen, some we haven't. Anya's been promoted to the credits. Tara has not. Interesting. The three couples are having a little beach day. Riley and Buffy are playing with a football. We know how Riley loves balls. Yeah, I know from his poster. He tells Buffy she throws like a girl, which she does. She's got bad form, but that doesn't mean she can't throw it hard enough to knock him over. (laughs) And this ends when she slays the football. Xander's having a hard time lighting the grill, which Willow easily lights with her words. However, she says it's about balancing the elements, which she hasn't done correctly, perhaps, because it starts pouring and beach day is over. I don't think she actually did that, though. She keeps insisting she didn't, and that's like right when Dracula shows up. So I think, I don't think she did do it. Yeah, I think you're right. Later that evening, it's still pouring, and two coffin delivery men are badly delivering a coffin to a creepy castle. 
which angers its inhabitant, who breaks out of it and murders them to the sound of the most recognizable royalty-free sound effect in the world. Yeah. It's like that. You've all heard the sound effect, not in Buffy. It's like that <laughs> Wilhelm scream or whatever it's called. It's it just like, felt so like from my life. I don't know. I think it was intentional, like to tell us this episode was going to be like kind of silly. Maybe. Or over the top. Because Buffy doesn't usually use that sound effect. Or this was just maybe the first time anyone had ever used it. Maybe. The next day, Willow is at Giles' place helping him set up his Macintosh laptop computer. Giles wants to scan all of his books into the computer, which is honestly something they should have started doing years ago. Well, to be fair, they did start doing it years ago, and it released a demon into a computer. So That's fair. It's almost funny. I wish they'd like reference that. Yeah. I robot you, Jane. Willow quickly goes from let's get scanning to, oh no, how long is this going to take? It's summer vacation. Yeah. Apparently Giles has been staying in and doing projects all summer. Is he paying Willow? Like he tells her she can leave if she wants and she agrees to stay, but this is like a full-time job she's maybe doing for free? Yeah, totally. And I get that it's important because they're like saving the world, but like she also is a person with a life. Yeah. And like what else is he doing? I think he like doesn't really know how to do it, but he yeah, he, he probably does because he tells her she can go. Yeah, I don't know if he really does. I mean, he probably types like hunt and pack, like with two fingers. Takes him forever. But scanning is like she could show him how to do it and then it's pretty autopilot. Yeah. But you got to make sure every book doesn't have a demon that they can, you know, release into the internet. So <laughs> Giles really wants to get all this stuff done ASAP. He says it's because most of these texts have no duplicates, but Giles has a secret. He's like, Willow, I'm going to tell you something. I'm Dracula. N- no. Oh, I didn't watch very closely. <laughs> He's like, Willow, I'm going to tell you something you can't tell anyone, especially Buffy. The truth is we got to archive all this shit so you guys have everything you need when I move back to England. WTF. She's like, what? No, you can't. You're the best character. (laughs) And he's like, no, no, it's becoming obvious that Buffy doesn't need me anymore and that the show's not really sure what to do with me. I want to do Rock Your Picture Show. I don't have time right now. But Giles isn't really sad about it. He's playing it off like he's proud that Buffy's grown to the point where she doesn't need him anymore. But he's still not sure when or how he's going to tell her. Yeah. Buffy's having a little dinner with Joyce, and she thwarts Joyce's attempts at bonding further over ice cream. Joyce seems a little bummed that summer's ending and that Buffy's going to be going back to school, but Buffy indicates this year they should make more of an effort to make dinners like this a regular thing. But right now, I, I gotta go slay. Oh, I hate it so much. I would totally rather hang out with you, Mom. Cut to Buffy having the time of her life beating up a vampire. And well, 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 who's watching her from the distance? A pale, sexy, cloaked vampire? She's like, hello, I'd like to fight you as well. And he's like, oh, we're not gonna fight. She's like, uh, do you know what a slayer is? And he says, do you? And then he reveals himself as Dracula. Buffy fangirls hard. She's like, get out. And he's actually heard of her. Apparently, Buffy's known throughout the world. He calls her a killer. She doesn't like that. She's like, no, no, I'm a good guy. He's like, maybe, but your power is rooted in darkness. You must feel it. She's like, well, this conversation's making me uncomfortable. So she tries to slay him, but he teleports? I'm not super familiar with Dracula lore. Yeah, I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs. But I mean, and depending on the different story, he has different abilities. But I think he can turn into like animals, which he does in this show. And he turns into like a mist a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Xander and Willow are just going for a little friend date walk in the graveyard. 
They weren't even like going to meet Buffy necessarily. That's just where they were walking. Does the graveyard take up the whole town now? Have that many people died? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but <laughs> you got to think. It. A lot of those graves are empty though. So. <laughs> there were like 12 graveyards. Maybe they all just like merged and the yeah. whole town is graveyard. Yeah, eventually they're like, this is sort of becoming another graveyard. <laughs> Willow kind of lets on that she's got a secret, and Xander's like, yes, please tell me all the details of your lesbian sex life. Glad season five Xander's still at it. Yeah, good for you, Xander. Good for you. Don't change at all for, <laughs> for any reason. Don't mature or evolve. Just stay the same. But they show up where Buffy is. Dracula has reappeared. He's like, who are these clowns? Get out of here. I was giving the audience subtle clues about Buffy's future. Xander makes fun of his accent. Buffy's like, uh, that's Dracula. Maybe don't. And then Dracula turns into a bat and flies away. I love that Xander's just got, I think both of them have just like coffee or like bubble tea or something. Yes, in the like coffee. It's just funny. Like Xander's got this like super stupid shirt on next to Dracula. Yeah, yeah. Back at Giles' place, they're telling the others about all this. Buffy's just so excited that Dracula's heard of her. And Riley's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You trying to fuck this guy or something? I'm the jealous type, if that wasn't clear. <laughs> yeah. Apparently Anya's maybe fooled around with Dracula back in the past, and Xander's all jealous of that. Even Willow admits that Dracula was sexy, and Tara's all jealous. Willow, this whole time, is also not so subtly sending Giles clues that they need him to stay. Yeah. I mean, Giles picks up on this pretty hard. Yeah. Giles isn't even really sure how to beat Dracula because there's so much myth surrounding him. Who knows what's true? So they decide to split up and do some research. Riley's like, nope, we got to kill him right now before he even thinks about my woman again. <laughs> so Buffy and Riley go their separate ways because Buffy's tired and Riley's wired. And Buffy's like, well, maybe if you just lie down with me, you'll get tired. And Riley's like, no, I'm so amped about the idea of someone else potentially sleeping with you right now. I couldn't possibly sleep with you myself, even though you're clearly <laughs> asking me for that. It's so confusing, man. Just <laughs> go sleep with your girlfriend. <laughs> My mom doesn't care if we bone in my childhood bed. As long as we have dinner afterwards. <laughs> also, I, I don't know if you mentioned this, but like everybody's clearly like under Dracula's spell right now. Like a little yeah. bit. Buffy, like it's, it's almost like she's talking about how she met a beetle or something. Like one of the beetles? Yes. N not like an insect. Buffy and Riley are having this PDA moment, though, like right in Giles' apartment. I think everyone else maybe has left, but Giles is just across the room. <laughs> like He can hear you. <laughs> His place is not big. This is why he's leaving for England. I'm so over this. Stop making out in my living room. Anya and Xander are walking home. Anya's still going on and on about Dracula, which you can imagine Xander doesn't love. And above them is lurking a wolf, which Brian told me was Dracula, because I didn't know Dracula could be a wolf. Do you think it was Oz? I don't know. I was just like, oh, there's a wolf in this episode, too. It's also <laughs> the first episode of the season. Like, maybe there's just a wolf in this season. Yeah. He turned into a bat already, though. Well, yeah, but that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know much about Dracula, guys. Xander tells Anya to go sit on top of a crypt and flaunt her neck cleavage if she really wants to talk to Dracula. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And Anya's also not sleeping with Xander tonight because it's White's Day. She hates the bleach smell. So he heads home alone and is quickly stopped by Dracula, who hypnotizes him into being his emissary, meaning his eyes and ears and the daylight, and he in return promises to make him a vampire. Xander's just immediately on board. Like, he hated Dracula a second ago, and now he like, loves him. He thinks he's a genius. He like walks away giggling. I think it should be clear now that like there's something happening like hypnotically. Like, well, yeah. yeah. He turns on a dime. It wasn't like Xander's just like, okay, I love you now. 
Well, I know, but it's just, it's funny. Yeah, no, no, I just meant to say, if Kate, because if you don't remember the episode, like, Dracula has Thrall, which the master had, but, like, Dracula's got it. It comes pretty easy to him, I guess. And Dracula's more attractive than the master, so. Eh, it's up to debate. Okay, well, if you want to start a chat room about that, no one will join it. <laughs> a chat room? Was this AOL? Yeah, let's start a, a chat room. Who was hotter, the master or Dracula? <laughs> That's the name of the book room. That'll be the question of the week. Yeah. Biley. Biley. Might as well call him Biley. Like, we want him gone anyway. Biley. <laughs> Meanwhile, Riley goes to Spike for help. He's looking for information on whatever Spike happens to know about Dracula. And apparently, Spike and Dracula were old rivals. In fact, Dracula owes him money. Spike's annoyed that Dracula got famous because once people knew about him, the secret was out on how to kill vampires. He kind of indicates that he's mostly just a regular vampire and a lot of his fancy stuff is just like showy things. He says gypsy stuff. Yeah, it's like unclear because he does seem to have a lot more abilities than Spike and Angel have. Yeah, but you have to wonder and I... I don't know the answer to this, but I think that's like maybe he was a witch before he got turned. Oh, sure. And so like a warlock, I guess. So that like he has abilities still. That could be. That's what I would guess. He also tells Riley that he's not going to be in some crypt. He'll be living in like a fancy castle or a mansion. But he advises Riley not to mess with it and just go home. And Riley's like, I know Buffy doesn't want to kill you because you're helpless and you've helped her in the past. But FYI, I have no problem killing you. And Spike's like, I'd like to see you try. But, like, he can kill you, Spike. You literally cannot fight him, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and Riley doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would not do it. Right. <laughs> I don't know that Riley can lie. Yeah, I know. He's not capable of it. As Riley storms out, Spike kind of mutters that Dracula's definitely going to find Buffy before Riley finds Dracula. Cut to exactly that. Buffy's fast asleep, and some purple smoke starts oozing into her room. It's Dracula. Who invited you in, sir? Yeah, for a second I thought it was like a mistake because I was like, how's he in? Just because he's a fog, he can still get in? But they do answer this later. Yeah, we'll get to that. He starts talking all sexy and complimentary to her, telling her she's different. He says her darkness rivals his. And he has to see her neck, and he sees her scar from when Angel bit her, and he's like... Or the master, but probably Angel. I think it's Angel, just the way they're talking about it. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it seems like he's implying that it was, like, hot for her. Yeah. Maybe, maybe for you that could be the master, because you seem to think the master's. <laughs> master was fucking hot, dude. <laughs> that leather, like, cloak thing he had on all the time. So he sees her scar, and he's like, ooh la la, you've been tasted. And you liked it, didn't you? And Buffy's like, no. <laughs> but she did, and she wants to be tasted again. So he, he tastes her. It's, it's very sexy. Yeah. The next morning, Buffy wakes up, not dead, but she does have a bite mark, so this wasn't a dream. So she throws on a scarf and goes to Giles' house. Everyone's gathered to talk about what they learned about Dracula. Riley shoves a leaky jelly donut in Buffy's face, and she's like, too soon. <laughs> Riley's wearing, like, maroon pants, by the way. I don't dislike them. I just don't feel like they're very Riley. Trying new things with his fashion this season, maybe? Actually, there's a lot of notable clothing happening in the scene. Yeah. Willow's got like a bright red lip that matches her outfit, and Xander is wearing a pink shirt, and they maybe use the same fabric to make Buffy's pants. Oh, yeah. I think they're different, but like depending on the shot, sometimes they look very similar. Yeah, Buffy's have like a pattern, but it's a similar color. Yeah. Just like a classic pink. 
Of course, this whole time, Xander's just acting like Dracula's little puppet. He's refuting everything that they say about him, trying to make Dracula seem nice and cool. <laughs> he's got a pretty funny masturbator running bit. Right. He's, he says something about him being the master, and then he corrects himself to Bader. But then later they call him, like, Prince of Darkness or something. He adds Bader to the end of something else where it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You can't do that to Prince of Darkness, ba- Bader. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's exactly that, but... So this is the thing from, like, the Dracula myth of him having, like, somebody who can walk in the day who, like, eats bugs. And Spike even mentions bug eaters. Yeah. Xander definitely seems to be developing a deep desire to eat blood and bugs. Yeah. Giles is trying to let Willow take point on this meeting, but Willow, again, is like, no, I I can't do anything without Giles. Right, everybody? We need him. We need Giles. But Willow informs us that Dracula's not so much into killing for sport. He'd rather make a connection with his victims and that he's big on mind control. Buffy's very out of it. She's not really participating in this discussion. And Giles is like, now remember, everybody, Dracula's victim must burn for him. (laughs) So intense. Buffy's like, shut up. That's crazy. I'm going to go find him. Not because I love him. I just want to go. <laughs> yeah. So Riley follows her outside and is like, don't you dare leave without showing me what's under that scarf, young lady. He can smell when another man is about to steal his girlfriend away. <laughs> he can just tell. He accuses her of being under the thrall of the Dark Prince. And she's like, no, I'm not. And then he rips off her scarf. Everyone sees her scars. She's so embarrassed. Xander's like, I'm sure it's nothing. <laughs> just a scratch. <laughs> Xander does play this scene really well. Like, he's clearly under Dracula's influence, but he's still very Xander. Yeah. It was, it was just like a fun choice to make him still acting mostly like himself. And everyone kind of ignores him because they always do when he's being funny. But he's like also constantly slamming bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone sees that. I know, but it's also funny that no one notices that yeah. either. He's just so ignorable to everybody. Riley's upset. He's like, I should have known this would happen. Insinuating that she's falling for Dracula because she was in love with Angel. Yeah. Girl's got a type. She insists it's not that, and that she's a Riley girl through and through. Xander offers to harbor Buffy at his place while Giles and Riley go look for Dracula. And while Willow and Tara do a protection spell at Buffy's house to keep him from returning, here's how we find out that Joyce let him in. God damn it, Joyce. She's like, he seemed so nice and normal. Did he? Did he, Joyce? He seemed nice, normal, caped and pale as fuck. (laughs) Showing up at night. (laughs) Most vampires you meet seem like humans. Dracula's doing nothing to hide that he's a vampire. And you know, it's not like she's just oblivious to the fact that vampires exist. Right. I could see her letting him in before. You'd think that she would be under, like, the protocol of, like, how about we just never invite anyone in? He's also a very famous vampire. That's, like, what you think a vampire is if you've never heard of one. Some dude shows up. You could just tell he's got fangs. And he's like, I want to come in your house. Yeah, that's what he sounds like. Like, I just want some midnight tea. That's (laughs) a vampire. Joyce, you idiot. Like, I don't care how much thrall he's got. Stop it. She's like, I swear I'm not like this. I, I don't invite strange men over for coffee. And then she says, when you girls are older, you'll understand. The fuck does that mean? (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like she does do this. Yeah. All women do at a certain age. Yeah, am I going to reach an age where I do this? <laughs> My mom does it all the time. Sometimes it's like, could you stop, mom? All right. A lot of these people seem scary. There's just a living room full of suitors for your mom. <laughs> no, they just all love coffee. But she goes on to say it's hard to date. And sometimes you just feel like giving up on men altogether. And Willow and Tara just look at each other like, tell me about it. Either they're keeping the relationship from Joyce. That's a weird choice, I guess. Yeah. I guess you're right. She wouldn't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I can see why you wouldn't like want to bring it up immediately, but it's a little interesting that Joyce doesn't know. Yeah, we've established Joyce is not Christian. She's letting her daughter bone her boyfriend across the hall. Yeah, but she's not letting her daughter boing her girlfriend. Right. Faith. Some people think that they boinged. There's like, yeah, I've, I've seen that. That's a ship. Yeah. Also, boing's the word we're saying now. <laughs> but also, Dracula's like looks younger than you. Like you're not gonna get Dracula, Joyce. That guy's hotter than you and younger. She got John Ritter. Right. Dude was hot. She got 1996 John Ritter, not 1975 <laughs> John Ritter. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Also, also, so the show has not forgotten about the fact that that protection spell exists. Right. Where we can just uninvite vampires from our homes. Right. Yeah, we're not doing this on Giles' place to keep Spike out? Yeah, it's like Spike's chip, for all we know, could be pulled out at any moment. It's like his main goal in life is to get that chip out. We should probably put that spell up on Giles' apartment. We don't know that that's not one of the projects he's been doing over the summer, but I have a feeling Spike will be back in Giles' house any day now. Yeah. The sun is setting, so Zanya stuffs in. Zanya? <laughs> Short for lasagna. The sun is setting, so Xander stuffs Anya in a closet and tells Buffy he's made an immortality deal with Dracula if he delivers her to him. Buffy's like, cool, love that. Let's, let's do that right away. So he takes Buffy to Dracula's castle. Dracula's like, I knew you'd come. She's like, why? Because I'm under your thrall? Well, guess again. And then she pulls a stake out, and he's like, put the stake down. And she's like, okay. <laughs> it's like she can kind of resist it, but not really. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll talk about that a little bit toward the end. Okay. He's like, you want me to bite you again, don't you? This is not how he talks, but I don't feel like doing his voice. And she's like, no. But she maybe does. He says he has a lot to teach her about her history and her power and what her body is capable of. She's like, nah, I'm good. He's like, no, you're not. You want to know so bad? Now let me make you a vampire. At some point, Giles and Riley arrive at the castle. Riley's like, I've lived in Sunnydale a couple years now, and you know what I've never noticed before? A big honking castle. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Unusually funny line for Riley. It kind of reminds me of, like, in Hush, that big, like, clock tower that was suddenly there. Although I think we were supposed to think that had always been there. Is the castle not always there? Like, has it no, appeared? No, it was not. It did appear. They never said that. Well, R Riley did just now. Well, he just says he's never noticed it. Right. To, to suggest it wasn't ever there. How did it get there, though? They don't address this. Well, I mean, Dracula's doing all kinds of fucking magic. He can make castles appear? I don't know. Well, whatever. I mean, why would, you, why would they say that line if the castle had been there the whole time? Riley's not observant. Okay. He's been pretty <laughs> focused on the initiative and new fashion pants. He is very observant of anyone who might try to steal Buffy from him. Well, they go in. They split up. Riley runs into Xander, who's like, nobody harms my master. You want him, you come through me. So Riley knocks him the fuck out. Yeah. Now, his instincts were correct, but Xander does joke a lot. So maybe take like a second to check that he's not kidding. <laughs> it's a bad joke. He deserves it. It reminds me of when Angel, who we thought was evil, but later found out was not, just took like a cheap shot at Xander. Yeah. Sometimes Xander deserves a punch in the face. Yeah. It's gotta happen. Speaking of getting punched in the face... Giles falls into a pit where he's so easily seduced by three lady vampires. He seems to know of them. He calls them the three sisters. Well, they just like rip open his shirt and hop on top of him. And he's not doing a ton to stop this. <laughs> I mean, I think it's uh, like he's under thrall there too. Well, yeah. Of the ladies or of Dracula? I wonder if it's not all the same. Yeah. Did these ladies have coffins that those delivery men brought too? It's a good question. I don't know. Dracula has prepared a little of his blood for Buffy to sample. She's tempted, but she's, you know, 
just like a little worried about becoming a vampire and all that. He's like, no, no, you'd have to plead for that. Plus, I didn't drink enough of your blood. No, go on, have a sip. She keeps saying no. He really wants her to try it. And then, then he says Tara's line from the season four finale. You think you know what you are, what's to come, but you haven't even begun. What's going on here, Brian? That's interesting, right? It is. Um, also, I don't think I would have recognized this if we hadn't I had just, just watched really it. watched it, which is interesting to know. The first time I saw this, I probably didn't remember that line. It was like a whole summer had gone by. I feel like they did put emphasis on it. Like I feel like Buffy was like, "What? I've heard that before." But you're right. right. If it, if a summer had passed, I don't know. But she's like, "Okay, when you put it that way, I'll try anything." So she tries it. Oh, Buffy. He's like, "Yes, yes. Find it. The darkness. Find your true nature." And then she sees all these flashes of herself slaying. She sees flashes of the first slayer of like blood at the cellular level. And she snaps back. She says that was gross. He seems annoyed and surprised that she's resisting. And then they fight. It's a pretty cool fight all around his big fancy castle dining room. She pulls a torch on him. So he teleports across the room, but she like tracks his fog, jumps up to where he's going to appear and stakes him. Bam. Riley almost trips and falls into Giles' sex dungeon. He pulls Giles out. Giles is like, thank God you came. There was no possible escape. But he realizes he's missing a shoe. And he's like, oh, silly me. I'll just pop back in. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of the Holy Grail, the movie, Monty Python's Holy Grail, where the guy saves the other knight from this uh, nunnery where all the like horny nuns are. Oh. And he's all like, I saved you. He's like, well, I'd like to go back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I saved you from the peril. He's like, maybe a little peril will be fine. Riley's like, no, sir, no more chick pit for you. (laughs) I think I caught that line the first time. It's a very funny thing to say. Buffy meets up with them in the hall. She lets them know she got Dracula. Xander's come in too. He's very done being the guy who bad things always happen to as a result of the evil creature. Or as he puts it, finish being everybody's butt monkey. Ah, do you think this is what was in that dream? That monkey... With the symbols? No. That you kept asking? What it was that about? I don't think that's that at all. That was Willow's monkey. Well, Willow's best friend is Xander, and Xander wasn't there for that part. Brian, no. Okay, well, that was a stretch, but that was what I've been hinting at for like five seasons. So. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's it. It is. Did Josh say that? I mean, if he did, I didn't hear it. I don't know. Okay. And then Riley calls out Giles in front of everyone for, as he says, making time with the Dracubabes. <laughs> Riley's funny this episode. Do I like Riley now? No, I don't. His possessiveness isn't cute. They're about to leave. Dracula's back, but Buffy knew he would be, and she stakes him again. She's like, I know your movies. You always come back. Is he going to keep coming back? Well, he, he like forms from the mist, and you think it's going to be like, uh, oh, he's going to be back, and then she kills him. And then the mist just starts forming a third time. Yeah. And she's like, I'm right here, which indicates that, like, maybe she didn't kill him. Like, he's still alive. Is he going to leave Sunnydale, though? I mean, you say he never comes back. He does not. I think he's in the comics, but he does not come back to the show, so I don't know. But there are other theories involving Dracula that we can't go into. Okay. But is he, like, impossible to kill? I don't know. Whatever. I mean, since he can do magic, for all we know, where his heart is is, like, maybe not actually where his heart is. Maybe he's projecting an image. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, regardless, they don't seem worried about it. They go on with their lives. Giles invites Buffy over to have a serious talk over cookies. We know what this conversation's going to be. But Buffy has something she wants to share first. Buffy says she hasn't been coming to Giles for help anymore. But ever since this encounter with Dracula and since the spell where they called upon the first slayer, she's been out hunting every night. 
and she wants to know more about what Dracula was saying about her darkness and the history of Slayers. Maybe she could learn to be stronger and better, but she's scared and wants and needs Giles' help. She needs him to be her watcher again. He's so happy to hear her say this. It was a great moment. Yeah. My, they're my favorite relationship on the show. He acted this so well. Like You could tell he just like needed to hear this. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't tell her what he was going to say. So we know he's not going anywhere. So yep. nice. Back at the Summer's house, Buffy's heading out to meet Riley. She goes into her room, and Michelle Trachtenberg is there? Now, we've never met this person, but Buffy seems to know her. She doesn't say, who are you? She says, what are you doing here? As if, like, I know you. I didn't expect you to be here, but I know who you are. Right. And Joy shouts, Buffy, if you're going out, why didn't you take your sister? And both girls in unison shout, mom. Okay, what's going on? Okay, so obviously Michelle Trachtenberg is in this episode as Buffy's sister. I don't know what's so weird about that. I saw her name at the beginning. I mean, obviously I knew she was going to be in the show, but I saw it at the beginning. Yeah. And I was like, when is this happening? We're out of show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's confusing? Right. It's Buffy's sister. Yeah, who we knew about this whole time. So, Brian, was this a good episode? Yeah, it was a good episode. It was fun. It was fun. You don't have any more questions about Dawn? No, they'll be answered. Okay. I mean, you can't answer any of them. What's the point of asking I know. them? I just remember after watching this, I think everyone on the planet was like, what the fuck? Who? What? I mean, the theories are... They left her with her dad, and we just never talked about it for some reason. They're going to try to retrofit that. Because I don't know if they ever say Buffy's an only child. They might. They might, actually. I think Maggie Walsh maybe said that. Mm, I don't know. Um, she could be a ghost or something weird. Okay. Some kind of a weird time warp thing. Or yeah. we're in like an alternate reality. We are maybe in an alternate reality because of the wish. Mm. Those are just some spitballs. Any other ones? Nope. That's all it could be. So yeah, I think this was a good episode. It was fun. It was like a funny one, like a silly episode. I, it did some table setting, you know, where it's like setting up the rest of the season a little bit. So there's some of that. But the Giles through line for the emotional arc was nice. Yes. Because every episode needs to ideally have like a little bit of an emotional something. And that was the emotional thing. And it got me because that's my favorite relationship, like I said, between Giles and Buffy. I kind of didn't care about Dracula. Like none of that yeah. was very fun or interesting to me. But it was very funny and the Giles part was good. Really? I thought it was both fun and interesting. I mean, I'm definitely interested in the stuff he's like telling us about Buffy, but just like as a villain and a character, I was like, you're whatever. You're not going to be here next week. You're just another monster. It didn't need to be Dracula. See, it's, it was interesting to me because it was like Buffy's facing a vampire, which makes sense. She's done that a bunch of times. But this is clearly not just any vampire. And it's not just like, oh, it's a vampire who's really old and strong, like the Master or Kakistos. It's like, this is, a man, this is a vampire that's like different in a different way. Yeah, that's true. And like the fact that she tries to kill him multiple times, it's sort of like, and his thrall, it's like, no, he, he's not just some throwaway villain. Even though it's the first episode of the season, you'd assume that's what we're getting. Like a Sunday, you know? Um, or a anointed one trying to bring the Master's bones back to life or something like that. But it was like a... I don't know, inter it was interesting to me, and I liked it. And I liked how much power he had over them. But also, he wasn't just like, a, I'm going to kill you because that's what I do. It's like, you're, he's like got some kind of plan, and it's mysterious. I'm interested in this thrall he has. Like, it seems to work on Buffy. And he says specifically, do you know why you're under my thrall? It's because you want to be. And I'm curious if she, one, wasn't faking it somewhat. Like, when she says she's not under his thrall, I wonder if she has broken it. Because she was able to, she was under the thrall of the master, yeah, like he could hypnotize her, but then she was able to break out of it later. Much like uh, Kendra was under the thrall of Drusilla. I assume that's the same thing. 
it's not something different. Like those are hypnotism and this is thrall. I'm assuming they're all the same. I don't know. Yeah, I probably. But it's interesting. I would like to know why people think she broke out of it. Part of me is like she wanted to know more about the Slayer stuff. So she was, that's what she wanted. So she was letting herself be under the thrall. That's what I would guess. But when she tasted his blood and like got that information, she's like, oh, I already know this shit. Like I met the first Mm -hmm. Slayer. So what this, I don't need to be under your thrall anymore. Or if it was something else, I don't know. But I also, now that I've seen the whole season, I have some theories about Dracula that we can't go into right now. But someday? But someday. I do think the events of Buffy vs. Dracula now are more significant than a single episode throwaway. I think that it's connected to some other stuff, but that's all I can say. The first time I saw it, I did think it was just a throwaway, though. Even afterwards, I was like, that was just a silly monster of the week. Well, I'm excited to talk about it at another time. Should we move on? We should. And now for a special segment we like to call... Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, tell us what happened on Charmed. Meanwhile on Charmed Season 5, Episode 1, A Witch's Tale, Part 1. Ooh, we're going to have multiple parts. Tale with an eye. The Charmed Ones are drawn to an innocent mermaid who must elicit a proclamation of love from her mortal boyfriend or lose her immortality to a water demon known as the Sea Hag. Okay. What the the fuck is this show? It got a little fairy tale over the summer, huh? Right. I mean, it's pretty simple. She is this uh, mermaid and she's like, hey, I need this guy. I don't love him at all. They're drawn to her because like... The Little Mermaid, she sings, but it's not good. No, it's bad. She pops out of the water in, like, the San Francisco Bay. <sighs> it's like a Chewbacca roar. It's awful. They've seen her before, but one day they're finally like, what's your deal? She is sexy from the top up, too, but, like, her bottom part is, like, very fish and, like, that slimy kind of fish, you know what I mean? She's been, like, bitten by a couple sharks, like, a lot of her tail's missing. She's got some hooks in her and stuff. <laughs> it's, like, smells bad. But she's got a rockin' bod in the middle. In the middle? <laughs> She's got, like, the fucking tightest, sexiest abs. She's always wearing a crop top, which is constantly wet, so that part's hot. She's not wearing a seashell bra? She's wearing a crop top? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Modern mermaids, (laughs) man. But the downstairs is not good. There's just barnacles that she refuses to remove. She could. She's not good at maintaining her downstairs. No, no. (laughs) Which is why she's having a hard time getting this guy to say he loves her, because she's a bit of a butter tail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And also, she's like, doesn't really have a winning personality, honestly. (laughs) She's like, usually she's just gotten so far on her looks of her top half. So most of this episode plays out like she's all that. Like, they have to try to find a way to get this mermaid in a condition where her mortal boyfriend is going to finally pull the trigger and say he loves her. He, by the way, doesn't know that she's a mermaid. (laughs) Their relationship's pretty casual. It's mostly just like sandwiches by the sea. (laughs) Yeah. She's always like, I got to get my laps in. That's why I'm in the water. They always meet at her place. But it's just, it's her. She does look so good up top. He's like, ah, she's weird. But I like her. She's hot. That crop top could not get more wet. But this sea hag (laughs) really has it out for her. Yeah. The sea hag is very poorly named. She's, She's a beautiful water creature. And she is in love with this land boyfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who we don't need to give a name to. So she wants boyfriend all for herself. 
And, you know, that immortality. I mean, <laughs> the problem with Sea Hag is she is an older woman. Yes. So she's hoping to get Crop Top's immortality. The immortality is like, you look young and you live forever. Yes. But he just doesn't notice her. I mean, he he does. They've spoken. But he just doesn't see her that way. For some reason, he sees Crop Top that way. Yeah. Well, it's not that he doesn't find her attractive. It's just that she's older. So, like, every time he references, like, a TV show, she's like, just, just like Rhoda from Mary Tyler Moore. And he'll be like, who the hell is Rhoda? I'm talking about friends. And she's like, friends? I've never, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, this this is part one, though. So, I, I think it's going to end that's this is bad. <laughs> no, the sisters have this big scheme where he's gonna get very drunk and say he loves her, but he he does. But it's dark, and the sea hag shows up, and he says that he loves the sea hag. Oh. And so that's where it ends. That nothing happens, no immort- immortality is exchanged. But like, it's like, where do we go from here? Right, because the, that's what the sea hag wanted. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that the sea hag's actually bad. She's a demon, but you know, if angels taught me anything, sometimes demons are cool. Sometimes demons just want love. Yeah. So I, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I guess so. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. So, Brian, then we watched Gilmore Girls. Tell everyone about Say Goodbye to Daisy Miller. Oof. Oh, my God. So we've been waiting three months for this. Like four days or something. It felt like three months. Okay. Oh, my God. I just like could not wait for this episode. Were you pleased? Yeah, I was pleased. So this episode is about the aftermath, essentially, of last season's cliffhanger, which had Lorelai kissing Luke and Jason showing up demanding that they get the relationship back together and Rory sleeping with a married Dean and Lorelai finding out and eventually confronting Rory about this and Rory running outside very mad at her mom for like ruining her first time having sex and like crying outside and Lorelai walking out to talk to her or something. And this is essentially just picking up right where that left off and dealing with the consequences. I don't want to really say more than that until we get into it. Sure. Let's get into it. So this episode starts like a few minutes before season four ended. Interessante. Rory and Dean are in bed together post-coitus. Mm-hmm. In a vacuum, this is actually like a very sweet moment. And I kind of think this is like maybe showing it from their perspective of like how this moment was seen by them because it's seen differently by Lorelai. I think it's specifically maybe from Rory's perspective. Rory calls this moment the textbook definition of a perfect moment, which is ironic because it's, it's, it's sort of not. I mean, it is because they're not thinking about everything, but I think maybe Dean is. He's not acting like cold or standoffish or anything like that, but she's like really chatty and he's like, it's a perfect moment and like, I feel good. And he's like, me too. And she's like, you're just not chatty. And he's like, no. The scene though is like sweet. Yeah, they say they love each other. Yeah, they say they love each other, and they're kind of like joke flirting back and forth. They're very comfortable with each other. There's a, a funny moment where Rory starts playing the Candyman song and jokes that this is now their their song, and she refuses to shut it off. Fun fact, their first date, they watched Willy Wonka. Yes. It's interesting, too, because I think she's like maybe a little self-conscious about her first time, because she was like, and the m- m- few moments ago, like... You know, was that also a perfect moment for you? Oh, sure, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I just, you know, didn't want to sound like a pig by saying that. I wanted to be like, yeah, but you did just cheat on your wife. So I don't know that saying the sex was good is really a big deal. Make you less of a pig. But they're having this, like, good moment. And then they hear the door close. Lorelai's home. Uh Uh-oh. 
then we see a little bit of what happened last time where they come out of the bedroom. And then it like switches camera angles to a camera that's outside the door. And I think this is supposed to be like switching to like Dean's perspective now. Mm-hmm. Out the kitchen door. Yeah. So then Dean leaves and he just stands outside the door like panicking or at least just very uncomfortable. He's like up against the wall, listening in on them, having the discussion that they had, the scenes that we watch at the end of season four, essentially Lorelai confronting Rory for sleeping with a married man. He's like nodding when Rory defends what they did by like stressing their use of a condom. But it's clear he gets like more comfortable when Lorelai brings up the fact that he's married. And, you know, it's the elephant in the room that he's avoiding thinking about. So he, he leaves. Then we pick up where season four ended with Lorelai coming out to a crying Rory saying, hey, let's just let's just talk like an olive branch. But Rory says no and then runs inside cue credits. Which is unchanged. Yeah, it's weird. Maybe it'll change. I know it changes eventually. Great opener, though. Honestly, really great opener. Just I cheated like, on you. No, um, I cheated and rewatched this after we watched the season finale. Wait, what? I told you that. That's not fair. Maybe I didn't tell you that. It's, this is you worse than me that. cheating. I me. forgot. I th- for a second, I thought you meant you rewatched the whole episode. I maybe let this slip, but I remembered them being in bed together. You did was, let that slip. I was like, when does that happen? Because they do have sex again, which that happens in this episode. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think it's that. I think it is like the first time they had sex we see them. Yeah. And so we I was just trying to remember that, and I, I did. I watched this sequence. But it is nice. It's good. No, it's a great s- sequence. Uh, I loved it. But the good is not over yet. Cut to Richard and Emily arriving at home from the inn to Richard saying, you do realize you leapt out of a moving vehicle. <laughs> to which Emily replies, everything cannot be on your schedule, Richard. <laughs> fucking hilarious, man. Everything in this fight is just so funny. Richard even says something like, this feud of ours has now reached comical heights. And it just 100% has. Emily's angry at everything. She's looking for her passport, but she, like, walks by a plant and smacks it. Yeah, I know. She just, like, slaps a plant that she's walking by. This show is very unimprovised, but I I have to wonder if that wasn't. Yeah, it was great. Emily is, honestly, she's being outrageous. Emily's, like, outrageous behavior is, like, perfectly matched by Richard's outrage over her, like, impropriety. He's, like, offended by everything she does that's not proper. (laughs) Like, Emily says she's going to Europe, and she's going to get up at 10 and have two glasses of wine with lunch. And Richard's like, only prostitutes have two glasses of wine at lunch. And she says, I'm open for business. Buy me a bow and drive me to Reno, because I'm open for business. That's just too much for Richard. He storms off to bed. Although, he says he's going to bed, but then he, like, starts blasting some piano music, like, real loud. So loud that he can't hear Emily knocking, because he accidentally, at least I think it's accidentally, locks her in the basement. Hard to say. Yeah, I mean, I think it was an accident. I mean, are we going to have a flashback where he locks it in the next episode? (laughs) The show switches format. No, I believe it was an accident. Of all the things Richard would do, I just feel like that's not one of the things he would do, because it doesn't really serve a purpose. But Emily's, like, yelling at him through the window to, like, let her out. And he's like, I'll be there in a minute. And she's like, well, I'm going to climb out this window. At this point, they're just, like, arguing like children. He's, he's like, you better not climb out that window. And she's like, I'm climbing out the window. And he's like, you will not climb out that window. And she's like, I'm climbing out the window. I'm out the window. Uh, she gets her dress caught on a nail. and But, like, she's already decided she's going out the window. So she has to, like, rip her dress off to get out. So now, good old-fashioned, proper-ass Emily is just <laughs> outside with no pants, pants on. Yeah, her proper ass is exposed. (laughs) And then the neighborhood, like, rent-a-cops show up? I think it's, like, the security company. Yeah. Well, I mean, sure, for the whole neighborhood, because some neighbors complained about the the servants they were making. So then Emily gets mad at Richard, because now they're 
fight is going to show up in the police blotter. Richard has a lot of responsibility for this fight, but like he's not the one being getting the cops called. She's the one jumping out of cars and going pantsless out windows. Richard goes on to say that this demonstrates that she's not the woman he married. And she's like, yeah, I'm not. You married a woman that you listened and respected, so that's not me. Ooh. And I was like, oof, 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 buh, oof. Oof, buh. I was going to say bud. It became oof, buh. I think you pointed out that if anyone else was behaving like this, Emily would 100% call them out on their behavior. Oh, yeah. It's like she said in the store episode, seen in a mall, where she's like, if I had seen a woman like that, I thought she was crazy or whatever. She's being a crazy woman that she would not have any respect for. Like, if Lorelai had done this, Emily would be like, you're, it's unreal what you're doing. But it was very funny. Yeah, it's, it's very, very funny, every moment of it. So when Lorelai gets back to the inn, Luke has Kirk butt up on the couch. Because if you remember, he has night terrors. And he ran out during his night terrors and nakedly sat butt first on some rose bushes. So now his butt is injured. I don't know how amazingly sound a sleeper Lulu is, but it's going to be off the charts. I don't. She could sleep through anything. Barely. Suki comes downstairs, and Luke and Lorelai make her inspect Kirk's butt damage. <laughs> it's super weird. <laughs> They're like, you've got a kid. He's not grown yet. That was so funny. Luke's like, well, I mean, I guess Lorelai has a kid, but it's big, and it can look at her own butt. <laughs> <laughs> Lorelai's like, stop talking, Luke. I got that. Yeah. But also, it's like, I don't know. I feel like who would care? Just look at his butt. Kirk explains what happened. You know, he's like, there were assassins under my bed. So, you know, I had to run out the door, past Luke and Lorelai kissing. So now Suki knows about it. She's super excited about this. She says very plainly to Luke, this is good. And he's like, yeah, I hope so. And I felt like that was an important string of dialogue. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this is foreshadowing or not. Like, I feel like in shows, whenever they stress something like this, it means something. Usually it means, like, things are going really well. Cut to the next episode. Things aren't. Like, we have to show it's good so we can see how emotionally hurtful it is when we tear it down. It could also be the first half of this episode, Luke and Lorelai aren't really connecting. And it's because Lorelai's got a lot going on. Like, especially with Rory, which Luke doesn't know about. She just came back from this conversation with Rory. And as soon as she gets back, you can tell Luke's like, so we should keep kissing and talking about that, right? And she kind of is cold to him. Yeah. Because she's got a lot on her mind and Kirk's naked on the couch. So part of the reason he says, I hope so, could be like, because he's reading into Lorelai's body language as like, oh shit, she left and she's had time to think about this and thinks it was a mistake. Yeah, I think that's the other thing it could be. And we'll find out. He was like, hey, Suki, can you keep this to yourself? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like Willow. I can keep a secret. Oh. Meaning they can't. So then we cut to Dean getting home, late, obviously, to Lindsay sitting at the table waiting for him. She assumes he worked late again. Uh, he was. He was working Rory. Oh, yeah. Dean is being super cold to her. Like, one word answers. She's, like, already mad at her for, like, being awake when he gets home, I guess. He clearly doesn't want one of the brownies because he pours himself a glass of orange juice. Yeah. Well, they also have gummy worms in them, which is gross. Lindsay says that someone called on his cell phone. It woke her up, and she tried to answer, but whoever it was, Rory, hung up. Dean, like, loses his shit pretty quick. He's, like, obviously worried about, like, did you just get a phone call from Rory in the middle of the night? And, like, you know what's up? But he gets really upset, and he's all like, you know, that could have been Dosi or Tom, and maybe Tom was calling to give me more hours, and now I've lost them, so he's not going to call me and give me hours anymore. So obviously all this is like exaggerated bullshit. She's like, they hung up, they hung up. He's going to, they heard your voice and thought it was the wrong number. They're never going to call me again. He's blowing up, uh, saying that she's got no respect for him at all. But obviously, obviously, this is clearly Dean trying to invent a reason to leave her for Rory. 
Like yeah. he's trying to like manufacture a outrage and fight in a righteous reason for him to leave her. Um, or at least at least start the down the path of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She does say that they always fight. Yes. Which leads me to believe that like he wasn't a hundred percent lying to Rory when he said like things are bad with them. No, I agree. But I also think he did lie to Rory because they I don't think they've begun discussing getting divorced. No, and, and I think like throughout this entire interaction, she's like trying not to fight and she's trying to be sweet and not a problem, like trying to make things work. And he's like, that's not what I want right now. I want you to give me a reason to leave. Mm-hmm. But Lindsay doesn't take that bait. She like apologizes and even sweetly asks if he's coming to bed. She asks if he's mad at her. And we can see the reality of his situation like sort of sink in on Dean's face. Yeah. I feel like he's like, uh, Lindsay's not a villain. Um, huh. <laughs> like, yeah. She she loves me. That's something he's going to have to deal with. Yeah. The next day at the end, Kirk won't sit because of his butt. Although he has not told Lulu, I don't think. <laughs> uh, and Lulu's like, you should sit down. You can't eat standing up because my mother says it'll give you cancer. And Kirk's like, really? Mine too. <laughs> That's so funny. Kirk has so many funny lines always. But it's so funny that they have that in common too. Yeah, I know. Taylor's upset with Michelle because his shoe is missing and his other one is all chewed up. When he says that his shoe is all chewed up, Kirk walks by and like assumes it must have been him during his night terror panic. And he's like, what have I done? And runs upstairs. But Taylor's like, yeah, I left them out last night because I remember somewhere that you said you have a free shoe shining service. Lorelai comes in. She's like, uh, no, we don't. But then later they find out that Michelle did leave like a random list of services that they don't offer because he felt like they should. I don't really understand that. Like, what is this thing? Why does it have services you don't offer on it? Yeah, it's just a dumb joke to make Michelle have something funny to do. I don't know. Like, he's trying to make this in more posh than it is, and she doesn't listen to him. It wasn't that funny. I, 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 like, I honestly don't... Like, who printed it? Like, no one proofed these? And Michelle, why would you add these things if you aren't doing them? Like, I, I don't know. It's weird. But Michelle also denies that it was his dogs that chewed up the shoes. But Lorelai's like, I'm having a bad day. Don't mess with me. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. I just don't know where Papa is right now. He's currently testing his boundaries. Luke also sneaks out during all this, like, clearly desperately wanting to talk to Lorelai. And she's kind of just like, yeah, thanks for coming. And he kind of, like, hangs by the door for a second, being like, okay, what about us, though? Yeah, he shows up when Taylor's complaining, and he's like, oh, you, you can just show up and start talking, Luke. It's not like I'm in the middle of a conversation. It looks like cool, cool, and just starts, like, talking to Lorelai. Yeah. But, yeah, she's like, well, I'll get to you, Luke. Side note, there's just, like, kind of off camera when Miss Patty is holding the soon-to-poop baby Davy. She just says, like, don't worry about it. If I went running every time someone tried to crap all over me, I would never have gotten married. What is her life? What? <laughs> By the way, her and Babette, still in robes. Still in those robes. Titty's in this time. Suki, like, can't hold on to her excitement. She can't keep the secret. So she, like, calls Lorelai into the kitchen and just, like, spills the beans that she knows about her and Luke. And she's just so happy. She always thought they would be good together. But then again, Suki thought that Lorelai would be a good match with that weird poultry man with that, like, I live at home with my mom smile. But anyway, she's super happy, and it's only now that Lorelai, like, remembers and wonders, what happened to Jason? (laughs) Last time we saw him, he was going to the bathroom, and we never found out what happened to him. But then Suki tells us that she called his cell phone last night and told him that his apartment was on fire, so he left. Which is weird, right? Like, it's a really big step for her to take on behalf of Lorelai without running that by Lorelai, don't you think? That's true. I mean, how long was Lorelai gone? 
Not that long. Because she didn't talk to Rory. Yeah, that's true. Maybe like an hour? Yeah, that does seem like a short amount of time for Suki to pull a prank on Jason and then go to bed. She doesn't know that she's not going to make up with Jason, so why would she do that? Right. She does say it was Michelle's idea, which feels more right. I get that it's possible that like it was Michelle's idea, but it seems almost like a betrayal to do that to your friend. Like, we all know that was a good thing because she wants to be with Luke, right? Yeah. But at this point, Suki doesn't know that. Yeah, that's a weird joke, too. So it's sort of like, cool, thanks for sending... Like, for all she knew, she was like, oh, I was trying to patch things up, and then he suddenly left, and I was mad at him, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could argue that she did that after Lorelai got back, and Jason just pooped for two hours <laughs> in the bathroom, but it doesn't really make yeah, sense. I mean, it is possible she did it after she found out about Luke. But Lorelai's already at the inn at that point. Right. And, like, where did she meet Michelle? At this? Isn't Michelle asleep? Anyway. Suki is, like, oddly focused on Lorelai and Luke having sex. Yeah. <laughs> she, like, brings it up twice. She's like, and then you had sex? No sex? Why not sex? Can you have sex? Because, like, no time passed, Suki. <laughs> yeah, I know. Importantly, Suki asks Lorelai, Luke knows you're happy about this, right? And tells Lorelai to make sure that Luke knows. Because Lorelai's like, yeah, he knows. I think he knows. I hope he knows. She's like, you got to tell him. Like, make sure he knows. Rory stops by, you know, just to keep up appearances with their friends so that no one thinks there's a big fight going on during their, like, test run weekend. But Rory is still very cold to her mother. And when Rory goes to leave, Lorelai casually tries to talk to her, like, a little jokingly about some stuff. But Rory isn't having it. Lorelai says that they could just talk as friends and, like, maybe she could help Rory figure out how to handle things and where to go from here. But again, Rory, like, isn't into it. She's like, I'm 19. I know what I'm doing. And finally, Lorelai gets frustrated. She's like, fine, I don't care. And you know what? If you change your mind and want to talk later, like, don't try talking to me. I got to deal with Taylor's shoe. She was, like, trying to be cool. Like, she was trying to be fun. Like, let's just put it past us. Yeah. I won't yell at you. Rory's, like, kind of a snot about it. I totally agree. I also see Rory's point of view. Not that Rory's right. She's not. But, like, I can see I've been an emotional, like, 19-year-old. I can see, like, you ruined this perfect moment for me. When really it's like, no, just the facts of that perfect moment were ruining it for you. Your mom just pointed them out. I think Rory knows she's right, too. And yeah. can't find a way to admit that. Because, like, later when she talks to Lane. Yes. It's clearly, yes. like, I need help. And I can't admit that to my mom. Yeah. So Lorelai takes Suki's advice and calls Luke at the diner. He's like very busy and it's loud, but he makes time. He like takes the phone to the storeroom and Lorelai takes her phone into the coat closet because that baby is crying, probably because Miss Patty has told it secrets about her life. Lorelai sits down against the door right next to a beautiful fuzzy pawpaw eating someone's shoe. <laughs> Probably Taylor's other shoe. Taylor's other shoe. Taylor, by the way, said he was a six and a half narrow. (laughs) Yeah. It's way too small feet for that man, right? A child's foot. (laughs) I have small feet and I have like an eight and a half. I feel like Taylor's maybe a bigger man than you, too. No, for sure. And I I mean that emotionally, too. (laughs) Guys always taking the high road as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Lorelai's literally called him a small man. Yeah. But I, physically, though, he's not. I don't think he is small. Yeah, I don't know if he's, like, tall, but he's, like, a wide. He's definitely not a narrow. I also don't think he's, like, exceptionally short. Right, right. Anyway, so she brings up the kiss, uh, and she's doing that weird Lorelai thing where she's like, so the kid, like, she's not really even saying anything yet. She's just like, oh, there was a kiss, and, you know, it was a kiss. And Luke is finally, like, I feel like he's like, oh, you're trying to maybe break up with me or say it was a mistake. So he sort of butts in. is like, you know what? Like, don't worry about it. We can just, like, forget last night even happened. And she's like, no, I don't want to forget that. It was a great kiss. 
And this like just makes Luke's day. His face like just brightens up and they Mm -hmm. make a date for tonight. And it's great. It's a great scene. And I loved it because specifically her, but like she's have all this negativity around her. Like so much is bad, but like there's this one bright spot that's Luke. I don't know. It's this one thing that like Rory's fight with her and her mother and father's fight, like and her thing with it. None of that is going to touch what she's got with Luke right now. This like amazing, beautiful thing that seemingly just came out of nowhere. Yeah. I like when she asks him if he concurs, and he's like, dear God, yes. It's just a yeah. fun way to express that. One quick joke I want to mention in this sequence is Caesar at the diner is, like, calling out orders. And yes. he's like, something that looks like tuna. You made it, Caesar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did they order? What did you do? I mean, Caesar's done all kinds of weird stuff, like made eggs on a fish pan. <laughs> Yeah, Luke's maybe not the best um, HR department. Well, uh, yeah. Well, what makes you think that? The guy that eats frogs? Are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rory, meanwhile, calls someone, somebody, we don't hear who, from a payphone and just says, matter of factly, that they need to meet. I don't know who was fooled by this because it was obviously Dean. It wasn't like she was talking to Jess suddenly or something. Yeah, yeah. So they meet at Miss Patty's where they first slept together. Innocently. Yeah. And for like a second, it was so interesting because I feel like I noticed it on the second rewatch of the scene. Rory sounds like all business for one second. He knocks on the door and she's like, come in. Like, we have to have a talk. I've got things to talk about. But then like right after he says like one word, she just like melts. Dean tells her that he never mentioned this, but she likes her hair shorter. So she's like, okay. And then they fuck, obviously. It's the thrall. It's the thrall. Yeah. Quick cut to Rory telling Lane what happened. Lane is like, you did it, Miss Patty's. She'd be so proud. That was funny. I feel like you predicted that they would do it at Miss Patty's. I mean, it's a big offer. I think you predicted that that's where they would do it for the first time. But I forgot that they actually did do it there. Yeah. I remember the scene now. I remember the line where she's like, well, once you do it once, it's pretty easy to duplicate. (laughs) It's interesting because Lane is like, was he like facing you? And Rory says, yeah, he loves me and I love him. And I just want to say to you, Rory, Rory, please, I just want to say to you that love is beautiful and takes many forms. And sometimes that form is doggy style. Okay, Brian, I just want to point out that Lane asked if he was nice to her. No, he's they said if they faced each other. No. Was he nice to you? (laughs) Oh, innocent little Lane is like, how did you do it? That is funny. Okay, I just rewatched it. Literally, the captions say, okay, was he faced to you? That's not a thing anyone would ask. That's what it says. I think she does say nice to you, but that's what it says here. Was he faced to you? Well, someone at Netflix is fired. I mean, I feel like it makes more sense to say, like, was he nice to you? But also, I feel like he would have been nice to her. So that's also weird. It definitely sounds like she said, was he nice to you, though? That's a weird thing to ask, too. Wasn't like, was he gentle? I don't know. It's a weird question. I feel like Rory's response makes much more sense if she asked if he was nice to her. Did he face you? Of course, he loves me. Why would he look at my <laughs> back? I thought that was weird. It was like, you could bang from behind and love each other. In fact, someone very much loves you if they're doing reverse cowgirl. <laughs> well, I'm glad we discovered this. It might be a miscaption, I guess. But also, nice to you is, uh, is also weird. Not as weird as asking if she did it face to face. I can see a girl who's never had sex asking a girl who's just had sex for the first time, like, was he sweet? Like, we know it's supposed to be weird. But I feel like sweet is a, a descriptor that would be fine. But like, nice, is like, was he mean to you is the opposite. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. 
they also did it twice. So it was like, was he mean to you? And then both ta- you did it both times? Like, I don't know. But I could also see Lane wanting to be like, so how'd you bang? Lane seems very unconcerned that he's married. Yes. She thinks this is romantic. She thinks everything's romantic. She yeah, thought Jeff showing up was romantic. Lane needs some <laughs> love in her life. Totally. And who knows where her boyfriend is? <laughs> so Rory wants Lane's perspective. She says that. And she stresses that Dean is married. And she can't understand how she overlooked that. It seems, in essence, she's agreeing with everything her mother said. Yeah. You mentioned that earlier. And I feel like this scene is telling us that Rory's wrong in being mad at her mother. But you can't admit that. Yeah, it's like cognitive dissonance because she's like going to Lane like, tell me the things my mother would tell me. And Lane, like 100%, is like, you should talk to your mom. Like your mom would give you the perfect advice for this. She knows you. She already knows it happened. So it's not like you have to reveal that secret. And she just like has experience in these kind of things. Rory's like, no, that's not an option. I won't do it. Rory also says she like can't really remember what Dean said. Like, yeah, some I think he said he's leaving Lindsay. Like in her mind, she invented that he was, but he didn't say that. Right. It's tough because so much of the show is from Rory's perspective. Um, Dean lied. Dean pressured her to have sex. She did agree to have sex. So, you know, he didn't, like, make her do it. But I feel like she purposefully didn't look into everything. You know what I mean? Because she wanted this to happen. And now she's, like, regretting that. Yeah. Meanwhile, by the way, this whole scene... Lane's band is supposed to be having practice, but she's not out there, so they can't. I, f- I guess you do need a drummer to, like, keep the beat. I feel like they could just, like, play something. I, I don't know. I guess. Yeah, I'm we kind of talked band. about that, like, a, a metronome. You can get that on your phone or on a computer, but they might not have a computer, and there weren't smartphones. So unless they, like, actually have a metronome, yeah. I don't know what they would use. And Lane also won't let them use her drums. Like, that's what gets her, like, super mad is Zach starts to, like, play the drums, and she's, like, so mad. Also, it's, I was thinking about that. It's dumb that Zach's playing her drums because then he's not practicing the instrument he's supposed to be practicing. I mean, you could argue that the other guys could at least practice. I yeah. Mean, by the way, Gil's cool. I'm totally sold on Gil at this point. Mm-hmm. I love when he's like, he also adjusted your seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. Like way to rat him out right in front of everyone. Just like Riley. <laughs> He'd be the first one to tell you that Zach was down in the chick pit. <laughs> And Zach, let's be honest, he's he's down in the chick pit. Dude, he is he's with some pit chicks. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> he is writing their names on napkins. He's ready. Then we're back at the inn, and Emily shows up and somehow surprises Lorelai. She's like sitting on a couch, and Lorelai turns around. It's like shocked. And then, and this this is this, interesting, guys. Guys, listen, something's listen. happening. This has become an investigative journalism podcast very quickly. Yes. So then. When Lorelai tells Emily that she scared her, Emily's like, like I'm Dracula? Which is a very weird coincidence. Very weird. Because it wasn't, it would have made more sense if Lorelai was like, oh my God, you're like Dracula. Yeah. But Emily makes the pop culture reference. And it's not even very good. It's, it's that's the whole thing. It's like, it's not really a pop culture reference even. It's just kind of tagged in there. But if you'll remember, the previous episode had a very specific cheese slice reference. Which is also going on in Buffy. And we know that Amy listens to, well, she's put on Buffy in the background while she's written episodes. But I imagine she's just like binging it. She's not like writing the Gilmore Girl episode in the amount of time it takes to watch a Buffy episode. No, I agree with you. But I wonder if there's not something going on there. Like even if it's just like a little Easter egg joke for her. It feels like she's leaving Easter eggs for us. And Kirk forgot to find them. And they've just been sitting there for 20 years waiting for us to find them. (laughs) We've got to get them. Well, we're finding them, Amy. Yeah, we're finding them. We're on to you. If there's a reference to Dawn in this next episode, 
I'll be surprised because Dawn's not in Buffy anymore. She was just like one episode character. I feel like two in a row is not enough to call conspiracy theory, but like three maybe. If three episodes happen, then we are calling the news. We're calling the news. (laughs) New York news, local news. They don't have anything going on. They have an old television show investigation team. So weird. So anyway, we'll keep you updated if we see any more quinky dinks. Emily says she's there for lunch because when they had set up this whole like uh, test weekend, she was promised a lunch with her and Rory at the end. I went back and looked. That did not happen on camera. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I was like, oh, I don't remember that, but they speak quick. Maybe I missed it. The importance they put on it almost made it seem like we for sure saw that scene, but we did not. But Lorelai's all like, yeah, okay, but then you like angrily left. So, and she's like, so what does that have to do with anything? So she calls Rory, who's also like, yeah, but then she like angrily left. So I thought that kind of nullified the whole lunch. But she's like, whatever, I'll come. You know, it's for her grandmother, not for her mother. On her way, Rory serendipitously walks past the butcher who is arguing with Lindsay. Lindsay is planning on making a special roast dinner for Dean. She's upset. Because last time she bought a roast for Dean, she followed all the butcher's instruction, and somehow it still turned out awful. But she needs to get it right this time. It's like Dean's favorite meal, and she wants to she wants to make it perfect for him. It's got to be perfect. And so the butcher suggests she try something else. She's like, no, 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 please. Just like tell me again, and like please write it down for me. And so he does. And I feel like that's like, uh, that's not making Rory feel great. No. So the three women then have a very cold, distant outside lunch. They all agree the weather's lovely. Yeah, reluctantly. <laughs> Emily shocks them by mentioning that she and Richard are separated. By separated, she means that Richard is moving into the pool house. By shocked, you mean they're not. Yeah. Emily's mad that Rory knows, too. She's like, you told Rory? I'm so confused because I knew Richard moved to the pool house. But why didn't Emily move to the pool house when they were initially separated? Why is she living in a hotel? That's a good question. Maybe that was more a grand gesture, like a temporary grand gesture where she thought maybe they'd work it out. Yeah. They hadn't built the pool house set yet. (laughs) That's probably the truth. But you could argue that Emily figured Richard would fix things and make things right, but he didn't. Spoilers. We're going to be seeing the pool house. I'm excited for this new pool house set. If it's any, I'm guessing that uh, the initiative set is not in use anymore, so the pool house is just huge. Well, I'm glad you're invested. Is that a pun clue? What? Is that like a, a, a pun clue? Huh? I don't know if you're joking right now or not. I'm doing the bit you always do. Okay, cool. I couldn't tell if you were if you legitimately couldn't hear me. <laughs> what? Huh? <laughs> we are in different rooms. Yeah. We're separated. I'm in the pool house. <laughs> yeah. By that, you mean our ceiling leaks. <laughs> Emily announces also that she's going to leave tonight for Europe. She wants to go by herself. She hasn't done that since she was a young woman. She kicked some church people off a plane. I know. She's a travel agent, like, get rid of a Baptist? I don't understand how you can just do that, but Baptist is gone. Uh, And she tells Rory that she can come. She could just have her agent bump another Baptist off. So this this next interaction is so weird to me. So Laura, like, kind of meanly tells Rory that she should go since she doesn't have any other plans this summer. And it seems like, like a trap. Like, what are you going to say to your grandmother so you can get out of this? You don't have any way. I just said there's no reason you can't do this. But then Rory accepts. And Emily excuses herself to go call a travel agent. And now Rory is pissed that Lorelai put her on the spot like that and is shipping her off to Europe. And Lorelai is like, maybe it'll give you some time to think. Maybe that's why I did it. But she simultaneously seems upset that Rory agreed to go. Yeah, I think she maybe was just surprised that she was going to go. I feel like all the dialogue makes sense, but the performances feel a little weird. 
as far as the emotions we're conveying. Well, Lorelai gets mad at Rory specifically because I don't know if this is supposed to be a punishment, but like it seems like Rory does want to go. And I feel like maybe Lorelai wanted her to go, but like against her will. Yeah, maybe. And so maybe Lorelai suddenly like hurt that that's how angry Rory is. Is that she? Rory says she wants to go to get away from Lorelai. So she is hurt. Right. But also I think there's an aspect to it where she's like, oh, so maybe things with Dean aren't like you said. And, like, maybe you're hurting and you need to talk to somebody, but, like, mm-hmm. there's no one for you to talk to because you're shutting me out. I liked this scene. Despite being a little weirdness, like you're saying, it, I feel like it was well acted as far as, like, Rory clearly dealing with something else in the back of her mind the whole time. And, like, not being able to tell Emily what's going on. Yeah. Emily doesn't pick up on any of this. No. Uh, but she says, like, what about Dean? You're just going to leave now? Like, part of me thinks that Lorelai's got part of her heart that's, like, telling her, hey, if Rory really wants to be with Dean, then that's fine. Like, if Dean's going to get a divorce and it's messy or whatever, like, if they're in love, that's fine. Even though she knows it's complicated and messy and painful for everybody. But, like, this sort of confirms that Rory's not going to be with Dean, so that painful thing isn't going to be a beautiful thing that eventually. It's just going to be a painful, bad thing that Rory did. Maybe that's why she's weirded out when Rory says she'll go. Because Lorelai just assumed that, like, maybe Dean is leaving Lindsay. Right. Like, she doesn't know the complications about that. Right. So now Lorelai's just like, okay, well, Rory just helped this guy cheat. And now she's not going to be with him. So she's kind of just like a homewrecker for no reason. And, and she probably also is like hurt that there's clearly something going on with Rory's emotions that she's not a part of. And she says, like, did you and Dean have a fight? Like... I don't know. I felt so bad for Lorelai here. She's clearly like wants to connect with her daughter who's yeah. not connecting She's with her. Trying so hard this whole episode. Yeah. And and to be fair, I think Rory's in the wrong, okay? But I like I feel like it's fair to be like a 19-year-old might do something like this and just feel like they couldn't ever admit to their parent their mom that they were wrong cuz it's such an embarrassing thing, you know? Yeah. And like Rory, let's be fair, has been like a pretty amazing daughter 99% of the time. Rory likes to run away when she cheats, huh? Who did what? After she kissed Jess oh, at yeah, Suki's yeah, yeah. wedding, she decided to go on that trip to Washington for the summer. So this scene was sort of like, oh no, this isn't good. I want things to be good between the Gilmore Girls. Let's make it good, everybody. Brian was very upset that the Gilmore Girls are not on good terms. Ah, uh, Rory, just admit you were wrong. It's fine. Your mom will forgive you, okay? We all make mistakes. Like Lindsay did every time she'd made food ever. No. Well, it was true until this next montage. <laughs> They don't do a lot of montages. It was nice. The song was pretty. Yeah, we get a nice montage. Uh, Lindsay successfully made Dean's roast. And actually, I thought this was like well acted in a good scene. Like she takes it out and she's like super nervous and she sets it down in front of him and he cuts it. And it's like clearly she did a good job and she's so happy and like hugs him. He even seems happy. Yeah, I feel like he doesn't want to be happy, but like then is won over by it. Like he can't help but be happy. Then we get a scene of Emily, like, packing up, Richard smoking a cigar in the house. Immediately. The door is still open. Lorelai sees someone calling Rory, but Rory doesn't answer the phone. Is that Dean? It has to be Dean. Who else would she not answer? Why is Dean calling Rory (laughs) post-roast? Rory, I'm so full, I gotta tell (laughs) you. Lindsay made the best roast, Rory. What is our relationship now? I guess the best way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I gotta go. It's off. We're done. But she doesn't answer, which is so... You could just see Lorelai wanting so much to talk to her daughter. At least it'd be like, tell her what she should do or like ask her what she's feeling. But she doesn't. Then we go to the airport. Emily is just so excited. <laughs> yes. She's so excited to fly post 9-11. <laughs> 
Yeah, she's like, if you need to search me, go right ahead. Don't be afraid to ask. She's like telling Lorelai how the airport works. She's like, you can't go beyond this point without a boarding pass, Lorelai. I've read all the 9-11 rules. <laughs> Lorelai and Rory are having a very awkward goodbye. Like, Lorelai's trying to be like cool and diplomatic. She's all like, here's 20 bucks to get like a magazine for the flight. It's like a long flight, you know. Make sure you have fun. Kind of trying to make jokes. Yeah, but Rory's being pretty cold. But then Lorelai, like, goes back on what she said earlier, which I really feel like was sort of important. Lorelai says, like, hey, you know, if you need to talk about, like, anything, you talk to someone, you can call me. Mm-hmm. She literally earlier was like, if you change your mind and want to talk to me, you can't. But here, I feel like she's doing what Rory couldn't do, where she's like, I know I said this thing, and I, like, took a stand, but I'm a big enough person to say, okay, forget what I said. I want a relationship with you. Which is sort of the opposite of what Rory did. Now, obviously, there's different layers to this. What Rory did is something she probably hates herself for a little bit. So it's a bigger deal to admit she was wrong. But I feel like that was just showing us Lorelai giving that olive branch that Rory's refusing to accept or give back to her. Yeah. I mean, it's probably also super hard to send your daughter off to another country for a bunch of months on bad terms. Yeah. But Rory don't care. No, Rory's like, okay, whatever. They don't say goodbye. No. So Lorelai goes home. She's sad as fuck. Uh, she checks her voicemail. She's got one from Luke. First off, though, I, she was supposed to meet Luke that night. So I feel like we should have a phone call where he's like, we're not meeting? Yeah, I mean, because they didn't make a plan. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming she called him at some point. But he leaves a voicemail saying that he has to drive up to Maine. In fact, he's on his way to Maine right now because his sister and brother-in-law got into a minor accident. And he needs to help them for about a week with their uh, Renaissance Fair booth. And then he's like, so I'll be back in a week. And then he hangs up. And she could tell that she doesn't like that message. It's like, oh, like Luke was her one bright spot, you know? But then she gets another one from him. And he's like, hey, I don't know if we're in this part of a relationship where I got to tell you every single thing I'm doing. So, you know, I'm leaving for a week. If that's all I got to say, I'll see you in a bit. And then he calls back again. And he's like, oh, uh, and I got a cell phone if you wanted to call me. No big deal. Then he calls back again with the number. And then he calls back one more time. And he's like, by the way, please don't change your mind in this week. And I feel like it's just, that's just, it's what Lorelai needed. Yeah. Her life is falling apart. Everyone's pulling away from her, except for Luke. Like that, like I said, it's the one bright spot. So she calls him back and they're flirting and joking. And she's like, yeah, my, I didn't get any messages because my message machine died of exhaustion. I thought that was really funny. So under the pretense of talking about the inn's test run, they're obviously talking about their relationship. And she's all like, yeah, it was one hell of a test run, right? And he's like, yeah, it sure was. And she's like, yeah, the only way to really know if things are going to work is to have another test run. He's like, yeah, you're right. And so it's clear that she's not going to change her mind. And they just start, like, talking. And she's smiling, and she's not super depressed. And we cut to black. Yeah. You think they're going to do it at Miss Patty's? Luke and Lorelai? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Well, do you think it was a good episode, Stace? Yeah, it was really good, right? Yeah, it, it was a great episode. Super good. It was like a really good season premiere. I feel like last year's season premiere wasn't very good. Yeah. I think because it was basically part two of the finale. Oh, yeah. We were still like living in that drama. It's so different from Buffy, right? Because like Buffy essentially is a reset. Yes. So when we're doing predictions, I'm like, I don't know. We ended everything. Yeah. Or this is like we're in the middle of some stuff. Exactly. Like everything in, in Buffy, is there's there's nothing new to really get excited about. I don't mean that in a bad way, but like in the first episode, there isn't like, a, oh, we got this fun new relationship. Like everyone's over Riley and Buffy. They have been for a whole season already. Yeah. So I did enjoy him today. Sure. 
But I meant as far as like, I don't know, he's just not blowing you away. But in this, the Luke and Lorelai thing is just like such a new fun thing. And the way they present it too is like, it is a good fun thing, guys. Yeah. In fact, it's the only bright spot. Everything is sadness right now. Yeah. I thought that was so nice. At the end of this awful day, she like yeah. feels comfortable. I feel like that's something people can relate to too when like life sucks. But like especially, especially in a new relationship with someone that you really think is special. Yeah. That can like really be like, oh, my life isn't in ruin right now. What you said is totally true, though. It's like this is essentially just we're paying off all the offers we set up in the season finale. And it was funny. Yeah. Emily Richardson was so funny. Yeah, it was. It, it's fun to see a different chapter of their relationship. Mm-hmm. New beginnings for a lot of people. We still don't know what's going to happen with Rory exactly. Yeah, I'm interested. Or how that'll resolve. Yeah. I feel like we're clearly setting out on a Luke and Lorelai chapter and a separated Emily and Richard chapter, but yeah. still pretty up in the air what's going to happen with Rory. Well, I'm going to guess she's going to become a European prostitute. Slam a wine at lunch, <laughs> but we'll find out. You said everyone had abandoned Lorelai, but really it's Rory. Well, I mean, her parents have abandoned her too. Richard is furious at her. That's true. The last time that she spoke to Richard, it was a big fight. And it's true that Emily isn't, like, furious yeah. with her, but Emily is leaving the country. That's true. She still has Suki, you know, not every single person, but... I feel like I've seen episodes end with Lorelai on the phone with a guy before. Yeah. Where that's how it, like, fades out, her having, like, a flirty interaction over the phone. But it, it, I, I like it. It's nice. So which episode do you think was better, Brian? <sighs> I mean, how can the Gilmore Girls compare to the Dark Master? Sorry. I don't know what that was. Um, it was Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I think it was Gilmore Girls, too. No, I think it was clear. Rewatching Buffy, I was like, this is pretty good. I like this. It was fun. But I don't think it was as good as Gilmore Girls. No, it didn't. Like I said, it doesn't have the emotional impact that Gilmore Girls did. It had a good emotional thing with Giles. Again, I think it was a solid Buffy. But yeah. It was better a better season premiere good, of Buffy good, good than last season, too. Yeah. I didn't like that Sunday episode. Actually, I really didn't like last season's first episode of Buffy. I was like, I don't know about college. Yeah. A lot of similarities, too. Dracula. Secrets being kept. Dracula. Gil ratting out Zach, like Riley ratting out Giles. <laughs> Just kind of the idea of, too, like, last night was a mistake. It's not going to happen again. And then it does. Yeah. Not that Rory said what happened with Dean was a mistake, but other people would say so. And then she, like, goes right into his arms the next day. Same thing with Buffy and Dracula. Yeah. We're on to you, ASP. Can't wait for tonight's episode. See what happens. It's just the same script. <laughs> Michelle Trackingbird's in both episodes. <laughs> Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 2, A Messenger, Nothing More. As well as Buff the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 2, Real Me. It's weird to say five, huh? It is. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Who is Dawn? What is she about? Wrong answers only. <laughs> yeah, don't actually tell me. What is your breakdown of that conversation about Lorelai shipping Rory off to Europe. What exactly was going on there between everybody? Did Amy Sherman Palladino do this on purpose? Do you think it was weird that Suki did that to Jason? Forget the fact that you might hate Jason. Just imagine someone doing that to your ex-boyfriend who you broke up with very recently. Is Riley going to kill Spike? Again, don't tell me. And again, I know he probably doesn't because Spike seems to be around forever. Is Spike going to kill Riley? These are just questions I'm asking myself. Is the suitor going to marry the sea urchin? Guys, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Sea hag, sea hag. You're right. See, hey, guys, let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. Brian with a Y, 
Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Brian and Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live streamed watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcasts, outtakes, and early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can also do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. What do you think for tonight? You want to go face-to-face or face-to-side? Only if you're nice to me. Okay, well, I don't like being nice, <laughs> but I love you, so I'll do it. All right. Let's do it in the pool house, though. Yeah, of course. Bye.